kind of traditionally what we've done with these services um, is to ask someone that's kind of sharing this journey of loss um, to speak. Partly that's the vicar's way of getting out of speaking every year when we do this. But it's also good just to kind of hear from people that have stood in the place where we stand, that kind of have some sense of what we've walked through and what we've experienced. Um, and I don't know whether it was kind of in a moment of insanity or what, but um, some of you will be aware that my own mother died this summer. And I thought, OK, it probably needs to be me talking about it this year. Um, I'm not quite so sure that that was such a good idea now. Um, and what I want to do is speak out of my journey and me making sense of losing my mum in the hope that that will resonate with you um, and, allow, and help you to make sense of the losses that you carry with you, whether they are kind of present and very, very much with you or whether they are older um, and kind of... So, um, yes, so um, something a bit of a note problem. Come back. Let's come back. Hooray. Um, and what I want to reflect on tonight, and it kind of is logical, I guess, it's on grieving, on what it means to mourn someone we love. And that's why I chose this passage. Paul writes in the passage, um, we don't want you to be ignorant, but we also don't want you to grieve like the rest of humanity who don't have hope. Um, and, and it's kind of what it means to grieve that I want to reflect on. And in a way, I hope it's by way of giving permission to grieve, to say that it's all right to grieve. Um, kind of whether our loss is current or whether it's kind of older. It doesn't necessarily make it any less raw or any less real to us. Um, and sometimes we can feel like we shouldn't grieve um, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it can be subtly implied by others who somehow think we should have moved on and be in a different place. But actually, the reality is we are still in that place of pain and of sadness. Um, and sometimes it may feel like we will never kind of leave that place. Um, we often use the 23rd Psalm at, at funerals. It talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death. And I think often we think about it, that relates to the person that's died. Actually, I think it's much more about those of us that are left behind. Kind of we walk in the shadow of the loss that we've experienced um, and that can be a painful place to walk and at times it can feel like that valley um, is a very long one um, and we're all here tonight because we want to take time to stop and to remember the people that we love um, and um, for some of you we write every time we take a funeral we kind of write to people the following year and people come along fresh every year and that some of you though have come back for year after year after year um, and we're glad that you find this helpful um, and kind of I, I don't know that there's a magic place on that journey where it suddenly becomes all right again for many of us it feels like it never becomes all right um, 
we all heal differently and every bereavement is different. Um, it's only when my mother died that I realised that probably I, um, I didn't grieve as I should have done for my father dying, which was years ago. And that may seem a strange thing, but um, I think when my father died, all of my thoughts were about how do I look after my mother? Um, and there wasn't much, and somehow that kind of almost stopped me from kind of taking in what was going on. It's almost kind of with the death of my mother that I've been aware again of the death of my father. And that's one of the things about bereavement. When we suffer one bereavement, it often opens the wounds of previous ones. Uh, and we and we kind of get told there are stages that we all go through. Um, and kind of we think that when we've gone through them, kind of we will kind of move on to the next thing and the next thing. And eventually we will get to the end of it. I often think actually those stages are more like the layers of an onion. You peel off one and you get to the next one. And then you peel off another one and you get to the next one. And you're thinking you get to the end and then you discover there's another one. Um, because kind of grief comes to us in different ways. A friend of mine um, who's a counsellor was recently speaking in a morning service and she just summed up some of those stages we go through in a way that I found helpful and I'll just kind of offer them to you. Um, that kind of first reality of loss when it's all about shock and denial um, and then the more deep-seated sense of yearning for the person that we've lost as the reality of what's happened starts to sink in, um, kind of somehow searching to reconnect with them. Um, often there's kind of this sense of, of our life falling apart and of being caught up in despair and that season can go on for a long while and in theory, and I say in theory we're meant to come to this place where somehow we're able to reorganise our lives and find a way to live without the person that we've lost but that doesn't mean that we necessarily live without pain um, we still carry that um, and there's so many different emotions that we experience along the way. Initially, numbness, the, the inability to feel, we, you know, things we think we should feel. Sadness, fear, anger, relief, all different. And every loss is different. And every one of us reacts um, in different ways. Um, we may wonder why others don't understand what we are going through. And yet often, I'm not sure we actually understand ourselves what we are going through and are able to fully make sense of it. Um, in an effort to make sense of my own emotions, just something that I did that you may find helpful, you may have done it even. Um, and, and you may think, oh, it's, it's too long ago now to do that. But one of the things I decided to do was just to write down and journal kind of what how I dealt with losing my mother and so kind of I, I at different stages I just started to write out and kind of somehow thinking about it and putting it on paper almost kind of uh, and, uh, allowed me to make more sense of it than I might have done otherwise. Um, it may sound really strange um, and kind of and some of you I suspect will react against what I'm going to say now you but how you know, can there be anything to be thankful with? I began by writing what I was thankful for. And don't get me wrong, we were in 
the incredibly fortunate situation of saying goodbye to my mother at 98. There was an element of kind of, an element of disappointment. I really thought she would be getting the telegram from the Queen, if I'm honest. I didn't see it coming. I thought if anyone was going to get there, it would be mum. But she'd had a full life and there was a lot to be thankful for. Um, and so kind of that gratitude began that we had her for 98 years, that she'd enjoyed amazing health right up to the end. Only this May, and she died in August, we'd taken her out to see my son in Munich, and um, she'd had a ball, including in the beer gardens. Um, you know, we were grateful that we'd had her for so long. And one of the hard things I know is when... Grandchildren have grandparents taken away from them when they're really young. We were grateful that our children had had her, that they really knew their grandmother. And that was a, a precious thing. And that may, you know, and that, uh, you know, we were grateful she didn't suffer. She only had, she was desperate not to leave her own home. And she only had one night in hospital. That was something else we were grateful for. And we had the privilege of being with her at the end. And I wouldn't let that go and I can't imagine how you would feel if you couldn't be there with the person you love when the time when you would most want to that must be desperately difficult um, and the list could go on I was very aware of the kindness of strangers staff at the hospital were incredibly kind other people that we encountered through the process of kind of dealing with the funeral were incredibly kind we were also grateful that she had such a strong faith um, I suspect many of you um, would find it hard to write you know, so many things to be thankful for. It, it may feel like your journey is a harder one um, and harder to find the positive in. Those, who's, that those of you for whom you love have, been, have had people taken from you too young or you've seen them suffer. Or you're burdened with those kind of what-if questions. If we'd done this or if we'd done that, kind of would it, it can plague us so easily. Um, so kind of that's where I began. But, but that isn't where I ended. Uh, I'm not sure how, yeah, kind of, you know, you're here and you, and you all know this is partly what I do for a living, isn't it? I've walked with you through some of your losses. And I, if I'm honest, as a vicar of all the things I do... I count that as one of the greatest privileges I have. I sincerely hope that I've been sensitive um, when I've done that. Um, but you kind of think that because this is what you do, that would mean that you are prepared for this. Does that make sense? That kind of, I'm the professional. I should be able to do grief in the way that, you know, that it should be done, if that makes sense. Um, is there a way it should be done? I somehow expected to take mum's death in my stride. Um, and that's where this whole question about grieving comes in. And I think perhaps because there was so much to, be give, so much to give thanks for, it almost felt like I didn't have a right to grieve. Oh, I've had her for, you know, she was 98. You know, how, you know, you know, I've had her so much longer than most people. Do you know what I mean? Does that, make, does that make sense? She had a great faith. I sincerely believe that she's with the Lord now. And I'm really, and, and that, you know, she's not got a creaking old body that was giving her a lot of pain anymore. That that's all been renewed. Um, and that's a thing to give thanks for. Um, and yet, I still miss her. And I still grieve. 
But somehow it didn't feel like I almost didn't want to allow myself permission to grieve or mourn. Um, But the reality is that she's no longer part of our day to day lives. Um, um, That that she may have lived a long life, but she was still my mum. And um, uh, and you somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, So loss is what I do for a living. And I thought that it would be something I would cope with. But I think I was um, I was totally unprepared for the way that I that actually that whole thing about disorganization. I literally fell apart. My brain didn't seem to want to work in the way that my brain ought to work, even though I knew like the, off the back of my hands, everything you're meant to do to arrange a funeral. I became incredibly indecisive about the decisions that had to be made and kind of, and I know that those that work with me, well, they were, they, they were incredibly kind. They were not in any way irritated with me, but I knew that probably I was quite frustrating because suddenly, yeah, I was indecisive in every area. Um, of my life. Um, and I found myself reacting in ways that I didn't expect. Um, I mentioned the kindness of strangers. We had huge gratitude for how kind people were. And I'm sure you experienced this too. Boy, could some people be insensitive? Um, you know, it kind of mind-bogglingly insensitive. I won't say what the institution was, but I remember going to one institution and having to queue up to close some of my mother's accounts and things. Um, and um, having explained that my mother had died, there was no, I'm sorry. Um, I was told I had the wrong paperwork, um, which was very helpful of them. And then I was told that actually they needed to sort out some foreign currency for someone else, so would I go and queue up and talk to somebody else? And I just kind of, um, vicars aren't meant to get angry, are they? I, I kind of got pretty stressed and stroppy about it. And it's not a significant thing. It's just how we respond to grief, isn't it? You know, um, it, you know that anger is part of it. And that anger is, can be all the greater if we feel that, particularly if we feel that something happened when we lost the person we love that could have been averted. Then it can be really, it can kind of, so I found myself reacting in ways that I didn't recognize myself in. Um, Kind of, I'm a vicar, but doing church became difficult. Partly because Sunday was the day we had lunch with mum. Kind of, we would, she, would, she would come to church, she'd be dropped at our house afterwards. She was very useful. She did all the vegetables before we got home from, di- from church for dinner. Very practical thing for her to do. Um, and then kind of the rest of Sunday was sorting out her bits and bobs. Generally, that would involve finding the book that she had lost on the Kindle again. Um, <laughs> but it was odd. And somehow, so suddenly, Sundays were weird and... I didn't know that I wanted to be here. And actually, people were incredibly kind. They are, aren't they? But actually, sometimes dealing with the kindness of others isn't easy. We don't know quite how to respond to that, if that makes sense. Um, And it's still early days. There isn't a day that goes by when I don't think of something that I would, oh, I'll tell mum about that on Sunday. Um, 
and um, or kind of the reality that we won't walk around my garden and see what's growing or not growing or take her back to Munich again. I have to say I had already made the decision there was no way I was taking her back to Munich because I don't think my nervous system could cope with it all over again. Um, every bereavement is different. Um, there's not a league table of loss. There is something natural about losing a parent, particularly when they've lived a long time. You know, we know it's part of life, of you know, being born, of living, of dying. It's part of the natural order of things. But it still doesn't make it easy when we love that person so much. But when actually things happen out of that natural order, when it's a partner or when it's a child that we lose that actually the whole thing becomes so much kind of harder. And there isn't a league table. We're all different and we all respond differently to every bereavement and every loss. Uh, and one of the things that I have, we may be all different, but one of the things I've, I've noticed for the many years I've spent walking alongside people is that most of us somehow feel there's something wrong with us that we should be feeling differently or doing things differently or coping differently. And actually often we are our own harshest critics of how we are responding to this and how we are walking through this. And so that's in a way what you know, kind of leads me to what I'm talking about tonight. Actually, it's about being kind to ourselves and about giving ourselves actually permission to grieve and to accept that that's all right, that it hurts, um, and that it's still painful, even sometimes after long periods of time. Um, we may not always understand, but actually that's okay. We can go with it. Paul, in this passage, doesn't say, don't grieve. Actually, it's all right to grieve. We may need help with that. We may need someone to walk and with, through that journey with us and talk with us. You may find journaling, as I did, helpful. We, we need to avoid kind of getting in the cul-de-sacs that go with grief, where we get stuck in a particular place. Um, but actually, grieving is part of life and of death and of loss. We need to have permission to grieve and to grant ourselves that room. Uh, it may not be every day. It may be particular times when we stop and think, an anniversary or a special time. But we need to make room for that. Um, Paul says, doesn't say don't grieve, but he says we don't grieve as those who are without hope. You know, the reality is, no matter what our hope is, I have the greatest possible hope based on my mother's faith and based on what Jesus Christ did for her. But that doesn't mean that I don't miss her. And um, we may have this hope, but we still miss those people. It's still all right to grieve. Grief is inevitable because the people we love are important to us. Um, you know, it's because we, loved, we love and we're loved. It's a price we pay. But we do grieve in the light of hope that those who trust in Christ will one day be reunited in him. Um, um, and that this life, for all of us, uh, is a season. Um, for some it's a long season, and for some it's one that is cut short. But there is something better beyond it, 
we might want to hang on to this life, we might love this life, but actually there's a better life that is to come. Um, and that's what the Christian hope centers on. Um, kind of Paul here talks about the foundation of that. Christ dying and rising for us. Uh, and uh, many funerals I take, you will know, you probably think, can't he choose another passage? I will speak from John 14. I did even at my own mother's funeral. Uh, and I do because I love those words where Jesus talks about going to prepare a place for us. Uh, there being many rooms in his father's house. Um, that's the hope we have. A hope of something better. Yes, we still carry the pain, and that's all right. But we also live with grief, but also with hope. That there is a place where there is no more death, or pain, or suffering, or grieving. And that's the promise that we have in Christ. Amen.